0: Need a bigger potion. Snakes.
1: Why did have to snakes? Life uh, finds a way. Welcome back to Spielberg, chronologically. My name's Jeff. That guy over there, that's Eric. What's up? I'm Eric good morning sir good morning how are you i'm fantastic so we're watching spielberg movies instead of hitchcock i'm great i don't have nothing to complain about the buzz has still not worn off uh believe me it'll take a while because i can't believe how good the movies get like how quickly they get good
0: yeah yeah so okay uh Real quick, give me your history with Close Encounters of the third kind. Uh,
1: The most notable and the most familiar with the movie I am is the parody of the scene from uh, UHF, where Weird Al takes the potatoes and sculpts it and says, this is important, or this means something, this is important. That's, to me, the most. Now, I've seen bits and pieces, much like Jaws, but even less so than Jaws. I mean, Jaws is much more like I know the story of Jaws. Now, and I the the memories I have of this movie are the sculpture in the living room. Yes. Uh I have memories of the house where the lady is, where Barry gets abducted, that scene. Yes. Um And then I have memories of the ending, but then after I watched it, I'm like this, I don't I don't remember this ending. I remember Richard Dreyfuss basically saying hi to the aliens, and then they leave. Like that's what I remember from my childhood brain, and that's not what happens. So, At least in this cut. This is I watched the director's cut.
0: Okay, okay. I watched the director's cut. Also, I I, I bought a Blu-ray because I didn't have a good copy of this anymore and it had all three cuts on it. It had the theatrical That's cut, nice. the the special edition and the the director's cut. And so then I went back and watched uh, pieces of the special edition uh, just to kind of catch up on what I'd missed. So I had the whole array of the experience. Good. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of well-versed on that. So, so I, I have stronger memories than you. Um, I remember. I remember when this film was out. I did not see it at the theater. I think my first memory was watching it on television, and they broke it up over two nights. It was like a, it was like a mini series style two parter. Oh, okay. And I remember after the first part was over, uh, my mom pronounced that it didn't make sense, and we weren't going to finish it. And so I actually recorded it on VHS the second half so I could finish watching it myself, and then watched that second half. Uh, a lot because I didn't have the first half.
1: Oh man. (laughs) And and
0: eventually as I got older, I I, I saw the film more, um, not nearly to the extent that I've seen Jaws though. I I do not have this film memorized. And this is the first time I know that I've watched it uh, in at least 21 years because I haven't seen it since my kids were born. And so watching it this time, I I saw it in a very different lens than, than I've seen it before um so yeah i mean, so the, you you just finished right like you just i literally
1: just finished you, watching you the just movie, hit yes. stop
0: and press so, record on the podcast
1: so i i started it last night because i had to record another podcast so i started it around 10 ish and i'm in bed at nine usually so about an hour and a half in i'm like all right i, ca- I can't i want to be on so i got up this morning and finished it
0: and what what is your like knee jerk
1: gut first reaction? Uh, it's good. I don't really feel the need to watch it again. Like you know, it's not. It's good. It, that's about. It's not uh, amazing like Jaws. And I really like Richard Dreyfus. Uh, just the last two movies have clarified that for me. I'm like, I like Richard Dreyfus. Um, I think it's missing some human camaraderie and affection a bit. Like there's parts of it. I like when the, the people who are having the alien dreams of the mountain are, uh, the three of them, they start climbing the mountain. I kind of like the camaraderie is like, we're all crazy, but they're obviously not. And they're going up the mountain. I kind of like that, but it just felt like. I could have used a little more of the human interaction a bit, I guess, other than it made sense. They're a part. Okay. We'll get into it. But my knee jerk reaction is, oh, that was good. My
0: reaction has changed dramatically from when I was a kid. I think I used to like this movie because it was Steven Spielberg and because it was about aliens and, uh, watching it as an adult there are pieces of this movie that i think are absolutely wonderful there are there are portions where that i'm like man this is stunningly good filmmaking I love right. all the stuff with Barry, the little kid. I love the way he films him. I love the way he focuses He's in so on his... He's so good with kids. On like, his face, and, yeah. and, and you're not seeing what Barry is reacting to, but his reactions are so visceral that, that you there's something going on there. Yeah. You know, and uh, there there are some other segments that I think are absolutely wonderful, but taken as a whole, I have to admit to myself and this has changed over the, even the last couple days. Yeah. Finishing like j- immediately after finishing the movie, my thought was, you know, I don't think this really works for me anymore. And then I thought about it more over the last few days and I've settled on, I fucking hate this movie.
1: Wow.
0: I, Whoa. I, I am not, I'm not happy with close encounters. Of the well, Third but, Like kind. I said, I
1: just finished it. So uh, maybe in a couple days I'll <laughs> fall in line, but I'm like, uh, so, like you said, there are definitely moments I love uh, Richard Dreyfuss parenting in this movie is some of my favorite stuff when the, the he's like, do you want to live to be nine? Well, you're watching Pinocchio and then his other son is banging something real loud and he's like, son, you are very close to death. <laughs> like, and, but I like it because he's it, he d- delivers it in a way where it's very level loving at the same time, like. It's not a real threat. Yeah. And then there's the when he's brushing his teeth and his kids come up and they're taking a picture. of, And so they spank his behind. And you could tell it's not the first time it's happened because he's not surprised. He turns around and he's a monster and he chases. I love that stuff like that. That's kind of like what I like. Um, yeah. There are things I that, don't like <laughs> that leads
0: directly into my biggest problem with the movie which is if he likes his kids so much why the hell does he leave them
1: and oh and he, he why is, selfish is he moving asshole. on to the next lady
0: <laughs> yeah you know yeah, what, oh that's there are so yeah, yeah okay yeah we'll get there but my the the crux of my distaste for this movie is all about his relationship with his kids his relationship with his wife and how he throws that all out the window to go pursuing this flight of fancy. Like it, admittedly, he had this crazy experience that he wants to get to the bottom of it, it, Right. But I, I don't feel like that is enough justification for Absolutely his yeah. lunatic actions in this movie. Like for the for the majority of the movie, I was just sitting there watching like what the hell is he doing? Like what what on earth would make him feel like any of the stuff that he's doing is justified at all. And and the more I thought about it and the more I processed it, the more I felt like this is just a big dumb boomer fantasy and it's indicative of the boomer generation and how selfish they are
1: and wow let's wow, 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 wow. And, and not lump a whole no generation no of i am like i them. am
0: i am lumping uh, them all together i i feel like in general i feel like boomers you know they're sometimes referred to as the me generation you know they're all about themselves they're all about you know pursuing whatever they want uh, you know everybody else be damned, and like my personal experience with that generation very much follows in line with that. And and of course I'm speaking in generalities. There are individuals there, and I like a lot of like boomer people as individuals. Of course I'm I'm not an idiot, mm. uh, but generationally I can see why this movie resonated with that audience at that time because it is just this big fantasy of i'm going to leave my irritating family i'm going to leave my shrill wife i'm going to leave my dumb job and i'm just going to go off into the sky with the aliens and have this fantastic life because it's all about me and that's what i came away with this movie for you know, from this movie, yeah. it was, it was uh, like fair it was like this. This guy is just a selfish asshole. Like like he is throwing everything out the window and there is a way oh, except of, for the dirt. He's putting that back, back in, in the, the window. window, right? In the shrubs. Yeah. Uh, there's a way to read this movie that like this was done to him like he was damaged and he has some sort of PTSD and and they've altered his brain somehow to like bring him relentlessly to towards this goal, you know, and he's going to throw everything away to, like, get to that goal. And I can give some credence to that reading of the film, but that's not the way that I took it. I took it as uh, just a sheer flight of fancy abandonment, you know, and this Pinocchio theme that runs through the whole movie, and and the thought, like, oh, he's just a big kid, you know, and he's just curious, and he wants to know. He's got to know what all this is all about, and and, uh, you know, my reaction to that is hell no, he's not just a big kid. He's an adult with responsibilities. He doesn't have to know. He's got to pay the mortgage. Get your ass back in the (laughs) truck and go get the lights turned on, buddy. Like, (laughs) I, I really... Obviously, had a very strong knee-jerk
1: reaction to this movie. <laughs> all right, I'm here for it. <laughs> I am all about this. Uh, I did not expect for you to hate. I, like I said, this movie's is fine. Um, now, I definitely him, I, like his wife leaving him is totally justified, and I had problems with like he once he do like if he's just broken and he just has to do this adventure. I'm okay with that to a degree. Now, I'm not okay with his actions, but then when he kisses the woman that he's with on the adventure, that's when I'm like, he has no intention of going back. He's going to go start a new family. like, If he doesn't go away in the spaceship, he is now raising Barry as his own son. Right. What is he doing?
0: Like <laughs> yeah. that moment when he kisses the, the woman, my wife looked at me and she was like, what the hell? Like that <laughs> yeah. came out of nowhere. Like they have no relationship like that. At best, they are friends that are going through this kind of trying situation and, and working together because they have this mutual interest and shared experience. But there's no ro- no inclination whatsoever right. of any romantic feeling between the two of them and then he's just like, you know what? Going for it and just leans in and kisses her.
1: And, and-, and Well, and he goes in slow, though. Like, he, he's at least a gentleman. He kind of, like, he positions himself where he's like, I'm going in, but I'm giving you time to pull away or reciprocate. And she does. But I don't think she knows he's married, so I don't think she's doing anything particularly wrong here. She's a single mom. You know, she has actually reason because she's already lost everything, right? So she has a reason to be there and to pursue this because... She's
0: a much more reasonable character. Right. Yes.
1: And, and, yeah. So... I'm with you that the character is not someone you can root for at all.
0: No, you can't root for him. And so having the movie kind of center on him, like I feel like he just gets smarmier and crazier and possibly more dangerous as the movie goes on. I would have much preferred the movie focus on her and her experiences because she has definite concrete reasons for doing what she's doing. She has much more intense interaction with the aliens, like much more direct uh contact with the aliens and she suffers a loss they they take her kid well her kid Mm -hmm. her kid goes to them you know like yeah he's summoned or whatever he goes running off into the night uh and they take him and so it's like she has every reason to be there roy neary on the other hand is just like derpy mcgee who's curious and you know and is driving forward all these people into this dangerous situation you know he's mr let's take off our gas masks you know and and admittedly he's right the government conspiracy is a put on uh but his actions are dangerous he does dangerous things and he puts the other people in danger like that third guy that goes with him and gets gassed on the mountain they're he's just still like, there. They're like, to hell with that guy. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. Like, they just leave him. They don't even check to see if he's well, like he... face down in the dirt and breathing.
1: They're just like, t- keep he climbing. Had, he, he, he was out of shape. He's like, I should have stopped running. And yeah, that poor guy, Roger, <laughs> I think his name was. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'm with you. Okay. I, I didn't react as viscerally as you did, though, but uh, that's okay. It was, <laughs> it
0: was stunning to me because as I said, I, I, I have enjoyed this movie in the past and there are moments in the movie, there are huge segments of the movie that really work for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it all comes down to him getting on that ship at the end. Like that's, that's the key. That's the Lynch point that, that makes me have the reaction that I have to everything that has come before. If he just didn't get on the spaceship at the end. And, had, and then try
1: to re- get his marriage back together.
0: Yeah, and he had a, you know, a moment with the aliens. And they do sign language with each other. And then the aliens leave like ET. shit. That's ship. what I remember happening. Then, <laughs> then I would have a completely different read on this movie like this guy went through a weird period where he kind of went insane and trashed his life but now he's going to get it back together but that's not what happens and and he gets on that spaceship and he doesn't even look back there is no acknowledgement oh well, he looks
1: back at the lady he kissed on the yeah, right, right, right right and that's it and then he's like okay she gave me permission i'm gonna listen to this stranger she nods, "It's okay. Go on the spaceship." As if it's his wife releasing him, which right. it's not. You know. <laughs> which yeah. which it is not. His wife is at her sister's because
0: her husband just went insane and built yeah. a mountain in the living room, you know. I
1: love so well I don't know that we need to go bit by bit, but the scene where he starts digging up the yard and dumping dirt in the window, the the line that I love is his son Goes, when we're done with this, can we start throwing dirt in my window? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> there there are a lot of good lines. And,
0: and Dreyfus is, you know, obviously appealing J- just through his natural charisma. You know, he's appealing in the role. Um, but, yeah, I... I oh, yikes. <laughs> yikes. All right.
1: So, uh, Dreyfus is a... Uh, a man with three children and, and a beautiful wife, and his house. The opening scene of like the kids and everything is very realistic to me. It, at least I don't know how many children you have. I have just one, so it makes things a little easier. But with three kids, and there's one banging, the others crying in the other room. The the oldest one's talking to him, and it just like I felt very realistic. And he's like, "You promised us a movie night." And anyway. The power goes out, and he has to go investigate. Now, this is probably my favorite effect, and maybe even shot in the movie when he's driving his truck, and he waves the people by, and they go, Get out of the road, you jackass. And then the second car comes up behind him, and he waves them around, and it lifts up off the ground. And it was just so effective in a simple effect of just lights rising that it was like, but unnatural. Over Like, Oh, I loved that. That moment in the movie. That whole segment is fantastic.
0: Like absolutely fantastic. And it's one of the pieces of the movie that, that really works for me. Um, because then, you know, his car goes nuts, you know, like the, the radio turns on, the car starts revving up and, you know, like it's, it's mailboxes are swaying. There's a street sign flapping, street sign is flapping back and forth. And he's at, I think a railroad crossing and, uh, and and then like gravity goes nuts in his car
1: and like all the which stuff is cool I, I like that it felt like what did they do to accomplish that Did they tip the the truck up they must have had the truck on some sort of gimbal yeah. and been, like flipping it or something because all the all the stuff but you know starts. Dreyfus doesn't seem affected by the gravity change which is what I really thought was otherworldly because as I don't know how they did it again but if they're tipping up. His body is not reacting to that change in gravity. Yeah. At least noticeably so.
0: It's almost like a big electromagnet is like like moving yeah, across from the behind and, and then the front of his car because the stuff is just like slamming in, in every direction. And uh, it's really cool. And then and then it goes away. And his car starts back up, which scares the hell out of him. And, uh, and he, you know, drives on into the night. Yeah, he
1: starts to pursue these lights that fly over him and he... He's riding up the hill. And this is where you introduce to, uh, uh, what's the character's name? Do you know her name? Uh, Barry's mom. Barry's mom. Her last name, yeah. her,
0: the actress's last name is Dylan, uh, Melinda or Melissa
1: Dylan. I think Melinda Dylan. So Barry's mom is looking for her son who has run away. And he's walking in the middle of the street like a maniac. And uh, mom is able to save him as Dreyfus comes whipping around the corner. And crashes, and this is where they meet, and they talk about having the same dream. No, this that's the second time they meet. Um, yeah, there is like, a but there is this,
0: there is a group of people this, out there like hanging family. out. Yeah,
1: okay, I think that family is aliens.
0: That's interesting.
1: Okay, so they're weird that,
0: for sure. They're standing there, yeah, like
1: staring. Yeah, he's whistling, and like the dad, and they're kind of otherworldly looking, just sort of out of it, country folk. And he's whistling and just totally calm in all the situations. Then later on in the movie, where they're waiting for the return of the alien lights, he's holding a sign uh that says Stop and be stop friendly. Stop and be friendly. And you think, oh, well, why is he he's not an alien if he's telling the aliens to stop and be friendly? Except who arrives? Not the aliens, the people. The helicopters. Yeah. Stop what you're doing and be friendly. And then they have a meeting later where all of these people are like, "Ah, it's aliens. We got to figure out what's going on. And they're all yelling. And the dad shuts that meeting down by talking about Bigfoot. Right. And turning everyone to be like, Oh, these are just crazy people. And it's just something about the, the, what he's doing in those moments to me that feel like he's advancing the alien agenda. And nothing ever surprises him or and his whole family is just kind of like wide eyed and like creepy. Uh, I just they're aliens.
0: That's an interesting read that I didn't consider, but I'm willing to I'm willing to give you uh, some,
1: I, some latitude on that. When I first saw them, I was like, are these aliens? And then I just kept that in my brain and then judge that against their actions. And at no point did what they do make me think they weren't.
0: Yeah, it's funny because Spielberg has that as a theme in later work. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar. He had this mini series later on, uh, probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it was all about like alien abductions. And I can't recall the name of the miniseries, and I should have looked it up, but I wasn't planning on talking about it. But a, a critical piece of that was that the aliens could disguise themselves as other things. Like they appeared outside a kid's window as like a cartoon character, <laughs> you know, to get the kid like to come out the window so they could take him. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go there with you that the weird well, family was aliens.
1: And it could also be that they were abducted beforehand. And uh, I don't know the word I want to use, but convinced of the aliens intentions and, Therefore, we're serving their purpose here on Earth. Uh, but it, that's just my I thought that was fun. Um, and being that it felt like it, it panned out, I was happy with it.
0: Yeah. So so parallel to Roy and his experiences. Well, let's, uh, why don't we just finish up with him? So Roy has these experiences. He goes home. He drags his family out in the middle of the night to to come and look at the aliens who are no longer there. And then he slowly starts to go mental because he has this image that's been implanted in his brain of uh, what turns out to be Devil's Tower, but he doesn't have it clear enough. Is it's, that real? Is it, that a real? It is real. Yeah, it's uh, landmark. Six or seven hundred feet tall, so it's like giant, and it was the first ever national monument established by uh, one of the old presidents in like the 1910s. Ah yes. So Hold yeah, down. I'd like to go there. But I was reading about it a little bit after watching this, and they say it's just out in the middle of nowhere. It's like ninety miles from Mount Rushmore, but it's just like ninety super boring miles of like planes that you got to drive, and that then <laughs> that's like the only thing there is just yeah. Devil's and Tower. Again, there it is. Interestingly, in there the car, is a uh, there's a KOA campground there at Devil's Tower, and they show Close Encounters every single night. On a projection screen, which makes I would it be one of the most forward. screened movies
1: of all time. Okay, that's good for them. Now, <laughs> here's okay. So where the movie, like I enjoyed and most of the time when Dreyfus was on screen and that very intimate viewing. I enjoyed all the stuff with the with him and then Barry's mom to a, like early on in the film. But then you're often cutting back to these military or scientists who are investigating in other parts of the country. There's a point, and I believe to be India, where they're singing these notes that they're hearing uh, in their brain. And those jumps, although I really like the scene with the the, the natives there singing. I, I, I really like
0: scene. that too. Yeah, it's another really good scene. It's a big scene. It's like... like, yeah. like when you look at it and think about how they staged it, it's like man they must have been out there with bullhorns Dude, when you know like
1: they ask so they're singing this song this is a, the only bright spot in these cuz most of the time when they go to this military group or whatever i get bored i'm like all right i don't care but this is one see, this scene's awesome so like you have like hundreds of natives of this country singing the this tone that is throughout the movie and they yell where did it Where did the music come from? And this great shot of the cameras, just really looking up at the people on the hill yelling down, saying, where did it come from? And then all these fingers shoot into the air, pointing up, and then it cuts away. I was like, oh, that was was good. There's some brilliant cinematography in this movie. Um, I always say cinematography (laughs) because that's what I keep hearing when I say it.
0: There are some great moments with the mysterious government cabal, which, like, let's just take a second and acknowledge they are ill-defined. We don't know who they are. We don't know who sponsors them. We don't know what their, like, authority or powers are. We don't know what nation is behind them. Like, they are just a weird government
1: cabal of dudes who seem to be spearheaded by this French guy. Uh, Now, did you feel, I felt like, after the movie was over, this is not the first time. I feel like they've been working on it for a while. Like this is a well, ongoing project maybe so shared between the, governments. At the end, when they get a lineup of what looks to be astronauts, they just know one of y'all is going with them. This is what happens. You know, I it just felt like there were certain things in the movie that was just like, they knew this part was going to happen. They... have This is not their first rodeo. Well, that's what kind of gave me my beef with
0: that side of the movie is that there's it's too sporadic and there's too much left unsaid. Like they're jumping to these conclusions and and we're not shown enough to see how or why they're jumping to these conclusions. You know, like they find the planes and then they find the boat, which establishes you know the people that come back later off the spaceship and then they they get the tone but then the next scene where they're presenting about the tone at this meeting of scientists who are all excited to be there and it's kind of like who are these people how do they know what's going on like why are we presenting them with this thing why did we take these tones and convert them to hand signals you know like in and. why and and, and of course they're using the same line this is important this means something we feel like this is important we feel like this means something well what does it mean why is it important like what is making you like zero in on this so then i guess to follow to follow the thread they shoot the tones up into the sky the aliens send back latitude and longitude and so they they just decide that that's where the aliens want to have a big meeting. And they go out there and build this giant complex
1: with a yeah. runway
0: and a tarmac and all this lights. And I like that
1: they built the runway and then it never gets used. Right. They like, just, <laughs> <laughs> just light it up and the things light come of the because mountain because they definitely going to have to land because <laughs> they're thinking with human technology. I actually kind of like that. It's pretty clever. And then the the thing, it doesn't need a runway. It pretty much can just veto all its way around. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did think that this movie had an optimistic view of what would happen if Americans, or not Americans specifically, if the human race knew that aliens were coming. Because oh. on top of this hill, there are no weapons, right? Nobody is armed. There's no military. Like, there's military protecting this compound, or, you know, but once you get onto the compound, nobody is there is prepared for this to go sideways. Yeah. Like, prepared for the aliens to be violent. It, it's a very optimistic view of, A, the aliens are going to be friendly, but more surprisingly, that the humans are going to be friendly.
0: It, it is. It, and it's funny because there's no indication from the aliens up until that point that they are going to be friendly and that they're trying... To, I mean, there there's some indication that they're trying to establish communication with the latitude and longitude and so on, but for the most part, like... When when the first couple ships come down, I looked at my wife and I was like, "Wouldn't it be great if it was like Mars attacks?" And <laughs> I was thinking, to and me, they just that's started, like, more realistic. Everybody up. Uh, that's how it
1: would go. Because my opinion, and this is, I tend to be a pretty optimistic guy, but when it comes to the nature of human government, and this is timely based on the time we're recording it, is that. History tells me we are going to shoot first and ask questions later, and and Mars attacks feels more <laughs> realistic to me than <laughs> what happens here as far as the human actions that take place. It's it's I, yes I'm convinced we would be the bad guys in the first contact uh, of any hu- alien interaction. Now, I also am also convinced that like. These aliens are humanoid. they have fingers and uh, two eyes and ears and are you know two arms and two legs so they're humanoid in that way that evolution has worked the same on their planet and I'm curious as to what country I-, I think history would repeat itself on an alien planet, right that they would have factions and nations and groups and things like that. And I just feel like aliens would also try to shoot. And take over another world It just be like, that, that's why I'm like Mars Attacks well, might be the most accurate alien invasion film of all time. Yeah,
0: yeah, because they, they use trickery to pretend like they're friendly <laughs> yeah. and then zap everybody. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think of it in terms of what would happen if humans went to another planet and found that there were... A native population there bomb them. well yeah first sight unseen we would immediately subjugate them and give them picks and yeah. make them start mining out the ore or whatever the hell you know like yep. like humans are we have assholes it's just like we well it depends the on who pattern. gets there first
1: because if it's the Europeans definitely Um I mean history tells us that we would destroy it damn near make the native population extinct or on the brink of it ie America and Australia and then, you know, the ones that are left, we would give them a little piece of their own land that they can live on. Here, isn't this nice of us? Aren't we kind? Here's a little piece of your own land. Right. The most yeah. unlivable <laughs> desert like piece. This we is- always get so political, and I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, let's not <laughs> fight it.
0: <laughs> but that's, I mean, I, I think it's a legitimate critique of the movie. And, it, like, it is kind of a charming fantasy to think that humans would be, uh, it's the star Trek vision, right? Like that's the big yeah. theme on this I'm season. of star Trek the optimistic discovery theme. is, is that there, <laughs> yeah. there's a new species and basically there's a push and pull between, are we just going to blow it up? Or are we going to like, try to establish peaceful contact? And there's a strong faction, even in the happy, you know, optimistic star Trek world. That's like, blow them up, you know? Yep. And, uh, that's, uh, that's legitimate. I mean, like I think that your observation that in reality there would have been tanks
1: and missile launchers, someone and- would have been armed, oh. and nobody was, which <laughs> I think is the world I want to live in. It is the the ones that just assumes. Not only people are good, but aliens, and (laughs) just optimistic viewpoint. Well,
0: yeah, it's Spielberg world, right, that nobody is armed. Like, he's the one that went back into E.T. and took the guns out and digitally replaced them with walkie-talkies because he didn't want anybody to be armed
1: in in E.T. I did not know about this. Yeah, So when we get to E.T., I'll be interested to see what cut we get. Yeah, that's,
0: a good, yeah, that's a good call. in real
1: life, they would not have walkie-talkies. They would have weapons. They would have weapons. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. We're out here with an unknown. We're absolutely going to arm ourselves. So, yeah, good call on that one. I appreciate that about
1: him. Because <laughs> I watch movies to escape, you know, and yet my brain just keeps pulling in all these horrible things. Um, so, to, on a lighter note, there's a scene where the they're chasing these lights And the lights kind of go over this hill and this cliff. And there's a guy who's driving to follow it. And he just drives right off the cliff. And why is it to me in movies, people just straight driving off the cliff without breaking or trying to stop it is the most hilarious thing. Another ridiculous stunt, I think. And I, I did I read that it. that
0: guy actually got hurt doing that stunt. He, oh, he wasn't that's too bad. Yeah, he, he's all right. He was in the hospital yep. for like four days, but he wasn't expecting to like go that hard over the cliff. I mean, <laughs> it's a spectacular shot. It's a great shot. It really is. Uh, but yeah, my wife also pointed out she was like, every single Spielberg movie we watch everybody's chasing each other like there's just chases 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 it's like his favorite thing is to have chases and i thought kind of thought about it and i was like raiders yeah okay et yeah uh (laughs) like jurassic park oh yeah big time like he's a very chase centric director and in this movie you know they're they're chasing the aliens down the road and then you know the military is chasing our guys like it's like one of the primary means of interaction in Spielberg films, seems to be the chase. Like, look at Sugarland right. Express; the whole damn movie is the just movie. a big chase. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was interesting that even in this peaceful, uh, kind of optimistic film, there's still a lot of you know chasing around going on. You know, yeah,
1: and the and the actions that they take against the the three people who Dreyfus and Barry's mom and Roger when they are trying to get into this compound is a non-lethal approach to stop them they use a sleeping gas right and um and again that's a, a, that's a nice way to do it and it's it's
0: interesting because at that point and, and this kind of leads to some inconsistencies with what we were talking about before at that point the french guy who is you know arguably leading the efforts it's like, no, leave them alone. They were invited. You know, like uh-huh. let's let's let them be here and participate. And the military at that point has seized control and they're like, Nope, we're knocking them out. This is a military operation. They shouldn't be here. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, which is kind of inconsistent with what happens later when the peaceful people are definitely in charge of the situation, you know, and the uh-huh. military in that scene is nowhere to be seen. Like it's just scientists and a synth player, and uh, yeah. And,
1: and... <laughs> How did that guy end up there? <laughs> it's like some like the French guy's like, I have a nephew. <laughs> he he's got Moog synthesizers <laughs> in the basement. Let's go get him. Let's hook it up. I want you guys to build a big LED I panel. Love, <laughs> I love the LED panel. How awesome is that? Like, it, I don't know, in the eighties or the nineties, someone should have made a club. That's just this scene, right? You go inside, and it's night sky above. You've got uh, some sort of elaborate light show that is the alien spaceship. You've got the panel on the left. The DJ's behind the booth spinning, and just, I'm there for that. That would be an amazing, you know, Close Encounters club. That would be
0: fantastic. And then (laughs) at midnight, they could light up the mothership, and oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm here for it. So, uh, I've
1: got questions, of course. Okay, and real I... quick before we get to my favorite part, of uh, one guy, <laughs> there's only when the aliens land. There's only one guy who freaks out, right? Oh, the guy who runs in the toilet. He goes to the porta potty, <laughs> and I, I I'm kind of interested to go back to our previous films to see if there's porta potties in all of them. Um, you could probably tell me about jaws but it <laughs> was a running thing but it's like of the places to hide I don't think the porta potty A is that appealing B offers much protection oh no but you I'm don't like, want
0: to be in the porta potty when the gravity goes crazy oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's bad news, man. man. All right,
1: I'm ready for the, the, the questions.
0: All right, so that you might there's going to be an editorial slant to these questions that I think will become pretty apparent I'm ready. pretty quickly. But, okay, let's just start. I'm just going to start at the top, and, and even though we've kind of addressed some of them, uh, you can go ahead and give your answer. Okay, number one, do you think that Roy is a likable character even before
1: he goes crazy? Yes. I think for me... I think he's just a dad at that point. Like, he still very much, like, plays with his children. He His threats are not serious, even though his wife's like, don't talk to them that way. And I get that. I I, I don't know that he's that great of a husband. Um, but it, it, I think if he and I were having a beer, I'd be okay with it, at least before he goes crazy. Do you think that the family is purposely made to be unappealing
0: to make it okay for the audience to accept his choice to abandon them. Because I think his family is horrible. I think they're horrible
1: parents. I think those are some horrible ass kids. I think. That okay. I want you to expound on it. Like, because what's so horrible about Cause to me, they felt kind of real. I've been in, like he, when he's, when they spank him on the behind and he's brushing his teeth and he turns around and he's playful. He's already had this crazy experience and no one believes him. And yet, when his kids slap him on the bottom and he turns around and he chases them around, he's a playful dad. He's having a good time. You know, I. Yeah, I get that. I, I just feel
0: like, in general, the establishing scene with the family when they're talking about Pinocchio and the kid is standing in the playpen and he's smashing the doll to pieces and the other kid is screaming like I have I have four kids. Yeah, you two, would know two better of, than me. Two but of that whom are adults. Pretty realistic. Yeah, but I would <laughs> never allow that to go on in my house. I am a dad who demands order and and okay. peace. You know, and uh, and so my that that sort of scene. You know, there are times when the kids get crazy and they play and we let them, you know, run around and scream and stuff. But that level of chaos, you know, I mean, and, and he's building this crazy model in what seems to be the living room. He's got this giant he's train He's trying to model. help his son with math. I mean, he's helping his son with math. And it's just chaos. Like the house that is line just insane.
1: Like, okay. How, what's, well, well, you know, 33% of 60, a third of 60. And he puts the train on and he goes, how many feet does this need to move? Hurry up, son! Thousands of lives are at stake. I just I like that line. It's a funny bit, admittedly. I yeah. I mean I I don't think because the house is chaos that that now that being in that room I'd be like, hey guys, I'm gonna take off <laughs> just because right. of the noise. But I didn't have any problem with that because they they you know I've been I have a friend who has six kids. All right, and I've been in a house like where it's just everything's going crazy, and yet. They're having fun, and it, you can have a loving family in that situation. I don't have a problem with that. Okay, all right. You, granted, but you—you you are a man who self admittedly demands order, or not demands. Maybe that's the wrong term, but prefers order. We, we set the tone of order over yeah.
0: chaos in our house, you know.
1: And they've taken a different approach. I don't think it's uh, any more wrong or right. But, but going what, back, what to, you just what,
0: said was I. I think I would probably take off because of the noise. which, I, is, which is what they're establishing is that his family is yes. noisy and horrible, and so it's okay. Now, do for I him think that like you off? said they
1: made him his family particularly ador- yes. I do think they were made to make it so we can sympathize with the lead more so, especially like I'm going back out there, honey. No, you're not. No, you're not. And this is one of those times where me though uh, as someone who at least up till now has been successfully married and um and tends to keep it that way compromise is huge and he's kind of had his flight of fancy he's woken them up in the middle of the night and like she said she's like you're lucky and she's even playful about it when they're out and in you know in the middle of the night she kind of kisses him and like in a way that's like, hey, let's make it in the house. And up to that, but had he stopped there. It would have been this weird thing that happened one night. Yeah. Yeah. And it had been fine. And I think she is patient. Even though I think that she's portrayed to not be. Like, even when he starts going nuts, like the first real big fight they have when he's crying in the shower. And. After that, the next morning, when he's tearing up the yard, she starts off the morning by apologizing. I'm sorry for what I said last night. She's ready to work towards restoring their relationship back to a norm. She is the type of person that I would, if I weren't already married, consider because she's someone who recognizes that, hey, I'm made of stepped out of line and said some things that weren't right and gives him the opportunity to reciprocate, which he does not. Right. So I think yes, that they are trying to portray them as particularly annoying to make you sympathize with them. I did not though, because I felt her actions were realistic in that. Sometimes we get headed, say things we don't mean. And as long as you can come back and say, Hey, let's talk about it in a peaceful way you're doing what you can to have your marriage be good. But then he just won't listen at all. He starts filling the kitchen with dirt. And that's kind of where she's like, all right, I'm done <laughs> yeah, another another issue
0: I have with the movie is like how kind of weird it is with time and how time like is' not well represented. You don't know how long he's spending going crazy. We do know that it's long enough for the sunburn to heal off of his face because yes. it's there and it's serious, and then you know very soon after that it's gone. so we're talking at least a week here of him obsessing and going crazy, and the film doesn't necessarily make it clear how long she's been putting up with his. Nonsense. But we do know that the whole family is prone to hysteria, like the scene with him crying in the, the shower and then she's screaming and he's screaming and the kid comes in and he's screaming and slamming the door and calling him crybaby. And it's like,
1: whoo, this is nuts. Yeah, that I think is more in. So, OK. The crybaby thing, right? That to me is more telling than anything about bad parenting uh i a lot of times um that sort of action to me out of a kid is a learned action now he could yes. have learned it at school right but i think that it's more likely that he learned it from dad absolutely uh, and, and like, like stop your crying you cry baby you know um and that to me if we're going to talk about like being letting your kids be loud and raucous i don't think that's bad parenting it's different than you or i would prefer to parent But I don't think it's bad. But just
0: letting the kids be there and participate in that moment in that fight is horrible. Not to
1: recognize, hey, we're hotheaded. Let's get the kids back in bed. Let's calm down. We can sleep in different rooms tonight, whatever. But for the kids' sake, let's take a moment and, and let them know that we're united. And... But the fact that the kid is yelling cry, baby, cry, baby at his dad almost feels like vengeance for what his dad may have done to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And And, and the upset that he's brought into the house, you know, like that kid viscerally is reacting the entire time. You know, like when dad's going crazy with the mashed potatoes at the table, that kid's just sitting there crying because he's watching his dad go insane. And Dreyfus yeah. doesn't even spare a thought about it. At the end of that scene with the bathroom and the cry baby cry baby, those kids go back into their bedroom and there's a shot of them. And I was like, man, these kids are damaged. Like, like yeah. they have they have seen some shit out of their dad and they are impacted probably, you know, for life on some level by this event and now their dad is going to just disappear on them you know and and so like our dad went insane and disappeared you know is the narrative that these kids are going to have to carry with them for the rest of their life
1: yeah and he just left them right they they are going to grow up and i watch a lot of um trashy dating shows and some less trashy but uh, uh <laughs> and there i was uh watch him uh, married at first sight. and They're like, where's your dad? Oh, he left. And I'm like, that sucks, you know? And, and he's got a daughter that someday will walk down the aisle and probably one of her big brothers will be there. You know what I mean? And not because uh, he passed, unfortunately, but because his ass wanted to go see some aliens.
0: (laughs) All right. Next, next question here. Can you think of any reasonable reason that he gets fired over the phone
1: to his wife. Yes, what What he was that all about? Because he didn't, he did, base, uh, the scene after he comes home, after the outage, <clears throat> and he first time sees the lights and everything, she's like, hey, they've been calling and calling. You know, you need to, uh, they've been calling the house. Yeah, I know. I turned my phone off. Uh, I don't know if he okay. had a cell phone or whatever. But he goes, at that point, he is no call, no show i missed Uh, it i missed
0: that he went rogue like i just figured he was out there the lights came back on the situation was resolved
1: you know yeah and he's clearly on call okay uh and to not respond to on call and just go dark you better have a good reason and he didn't have one so that's why he got fired
0: got it got it got it do you think that after he gets taken by the aliens roy is going to be gone for decades like the people that were just returned like Barry His ass ain't coming back. Barry he was coming back. Gone for like a week. The right? other ones, but the other felt ones were gone since
1: involuntary, right? Yes. Um, and they were returned because maybe. So what I'm thinking is, is that the aliens have these people. So what they do? This is the aliens find this planet that has humans, intelligent life, and so they say, "Well, let's get a couple of them and try to learn what we can to see if this is a place that we can go safely," and they get. So they involuntarily abduct some of them and they learn stuff over the ages as time progresses and returns them. I think because Dreyfus is voluntary, I don't think Dreyfus has any interest in coming back. I think if they're like, okay, let's return you home. And he's like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of yeah, think so too. Back.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's something. There's a brief moment where they're talking about the nature of of speed and time and why these people haven't aged in Einstein's theory of relativity. And so maybe from these people's perspective, they were gone for like a week. You know, like like Barry. You know, Barry might have just got on the ship and got back off the ship by from his. Yeah, perspective. you do a lap
1: around the Earth at light speed, and you know, yeah, weeks have passed as opposed to.
0: Yeah, but I think you're right. I think Roy is. Uh, He's leaving. He's leaving for good. You know, and if they do bring him back, it's going to be like millennia in the future. Did you, when they were
1: pulling it with the baby looking aliens were taking him on the ship and you can see their long fingers. My immediate thought was like, oh, he's getting probed. It's over for him. He's getting broke.
0: I kind of like the idea of Roy coming back to the Earth's like shattered husk, and all life is gone, and it's just and they decimated. Just of, and they're like, "Here you go."
1: <laughs> he would deserve it. Just See, you turned the corner on me. What a horrible person! Throw a uh, can opener know, out the
0: I, door I, after him and be like, "Good luck, dude." <laughs> See if you can yeah, find it, some Campbell's soup or some shit
1: yeah when he i've kind of like when he stopped fighting for his marriage that's when to me i was like okay i'm done with this guy and then when he kissed the lady it was like okay he has no intention of ever trying to to rectify it yeah and um yeah and that's kind of like okay um
0: do you think well, we we've already discussed a lot of these. Like, there's there's stuff about why did he kiss the lady? And do you think he's uh childlike or or damaged and potentially dangerous? You know, we've we've discussed this. We talked about this is important, this means something, of why people keep saying that. So the last one I want to posit is when they're at the end and they're doing the music with the aliens. Do you feel like they're actually communicating anything, or this is just a big fish concert with the aliens and it's just a big dub jam session and nothing is really being established. Like, are the aliens attempting to educate the Earthlings with, like, a primer on their or primer, whatever, however you want to say it, on their methods of communication, or are they just playing music together to establish just this playing music together? There's a
1: point where, uh, even when they're playing it, I feel like the aliens sort of get playful where they're almost like mashing their own keyboard. Like, like keep up with that, you know? Um, So I don't think there's any actual communication happening. It's just, I think it's notes and they over, the humans overanalyze it. And I think it's just, the aliens being playful and there's even a part where they do the jaws did you do i did yeah we totally caught that yeah great. and i'm like they've seen jaws (laughs) like i just think that that it's purely playful just to see almost as if like this is the entry level of are they intelligent life (laughs) it's like if they can replicate these tones and play them back to us because if you play music to uh a woodland creature they are not going to be able to reciprocate but if they do you at least know there's something there so i think that's the extent of yeah uh, yeah and i think he, well and so they sent coordinates back at some point and i think they learn about those from the military men they abduct i like think they that even makes say sense. hey where we want to go here and they're like well these are how you get coordinates okay you know and so I think there's I think there's a lot to this movie to dig into. But I, like you said, I think at the end of the day, the hero just isn't worth rooting for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was kind of thinking of it in terms of have you seen Arrival? The one where the, uh, the oh, you've really you should really check that movie. Out. I have. That's, ha- awesome.
1: that's one of those ones. I bought it because I heard it was really good. And I have it on digital. I just haven't sat down to turn it on. So,
0: yeah, the whole the whole film is based on like establishing communication with aliens and and try like they're trying to teach humans their language. And it's just so foreign and weird and alien that the humans are having a really hard time breaking through and kind of trying to understand what they're what they're saying. And and so that's kind of like the lens that I was looking at that scene through. Like, are they actually trying to teach them some sort of cadence and rhythm or something, or are they just jamming out? And I think I, I land where you are—that they're yeah. just they're just jamming out. They're establishing some commonality of intelligence, and uh, and just having a good time. Yeah, music is universal. There you go. So, uh, one last thing: Did you
1: spot Lance Henriksen in that last scene? Did you notice yes. him? I I. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, and I didn't peg that it was Lance Hendrickson. I just was like, boy, that's familiar. And it didn't dawn on me that it was the guy from Aliens. Um, But I was, yes, I did peg him. Yeah, I've never noticed him there
0: before, and I actually paused it like, is that Lance Hendrickson? I kind of went back and looked at it again. I was like, it is Lance Hendrickson. So I Googled it, and he actually spent like six months working on the film. He had a big part as an assistant to the French guy, And his whole part was cut out of the movie except for that one shot of him, (laughs) like, looking at the aliens, which I thought was really funny. Um, So, yeah, so, you know, again, I I have mixed feelings, you know, because I I do think, like, there are big chunks of this movie that really work and that are, are fascinating. And I guess just because my take on the character and behaviors is so negative it kind of gives me a sour taste for the entire film uh, yeah. because I'm, I'm definitely reading it in not the way it was intended to be read, you know? Um, but just because it elicits that reaction from me on this gut level, I, I guess it doesn't necessarily mean that this, that it's a bad film, you know, It it's, it's, I think in many ways, a good film. It's just that my reaction to it is, very uh well you know
1: it pisses me off you know like it just it just
0: pisses me off just
1: yeah yeah and yeah totally but do you remember i thought the special effects were pretty great um and held up very well like there was no point where i was like um do you recall in like some of the times you've seen in the past have has this been remastered And cleaned up, you know, like even in star Wars, the early versions, you could see the little box around the tie fighters. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and this looks so good. (laughs) Like there's, there's a point where I'm, Oh, that's a little green screeny there maybe, but it's few and far between. I think the the effects look great. As far as Um, I
0: know, there's not been any digital tinkering with this movie. I think these are the original effects that we're seeing. Um, which are, as you said, really, really good. Like, there are some points where, uh, you know, it looks like a 1970s
1: effect, just a really yeah. some good Some of the depth 1970s can effect. be a little off, like when you know the ship isn't there, and there's a point where it's passing over the heads of people, and the heads don't necessarily turn at the right way they should based on where the ship is. There's a couple of those moments, but they don't break the experience. Like, there's no jaws shark right where it jumps on the boat and you're like whoa that leaps out at you and again jaws is a better movie but i felt like the special effects across the board were pretty stellar and i really liked the abduction scene of, of um barry when the house is essentially being attacked yes and it's like a horror movie it is and, yeah it's a great um, sequence yeah and it kind of was like oh because Uh, We talked, you talked about poltergeist before, at least not on, I don't think you talked about it on air about rumors about him directing it. And I was like, that felt kind of poltergeisty to me, Um, which I I thought was really good.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's maybe my favorite sequence in the film. Uh, It's between that and the, the, the truck at the railroad tracks. But uh, yeah when I think about this movie the image that I have of this movie is Barry opening that door and the light streaming in and you know just that moment of horror of what's outside because at that at that point in the movie scared, he never Barry, gets scared yeah like he is into it he is down for whatever and uh that's what makes that's the charm of this movie to me I I like I said I want to see the movie about Barry and his mom. Like I don't, yeah. I don't want Roy
1: Neary in my movie because if if he's like a peripheral character who's just kind of the sleazeback,
0: <laughs> maybe that makes it better. Yeah, like like when when. Barry comes walking down the the plank uh, out of the mothership. The payoff is so great because it's like, oh, there he is. And he's he's the character in the movie that I had the biggest emotional attachment to was this little kid. And I, I think, again, it's because this time I'm viewing this film through the lens of a parent, you know, and that's that's what has changed my entire experience with this movie is that now I'm a parent. And, and so my priorities are different. What I what I think is important is different. And, and I just look at it through this lens of how I would behave and what I'm concerned about. And, and that's what leads me to be so much more involved with uh, Barry and his mom. And it's what leads me to completely reject Roy and his situation. Because, like, I just find his... Uh, Behavior to be unconscionable, you know, like he's he is a terrible dad who does terrible Mm -hmm. things to his family, puts him through the ringer and then disappears, you know. And uh, I find the Barry storyline to be
1: way more rewarding and interesting. Uh, I agree, Um, but I did not have. The visceral reaction that you did, at least until we started talking about it. <laughs> because at first I was like, yeah, that movie's fine. But now I, well, I can I, maybe I tipped, put I, a little more finger on why it didn't resonate more with me.
0: I tipped my hand with my boomer bias right out of the gate. Right know? out of the gate, yeah, man. And- Just- and I don't, I'm not one of those okay boomer people, you know, like my, my feelings towards that generation have evolved over a long period of it's, time here's and experience.
1: Here's where Jeff comes in with this. I think we need to respect our elders. Doesn't mean we need to agree with them. And why I don't, I hate the okay boomer is so dismissive. It is and very dismissive. It is it's very like dismissive. Yeah. And I, I've, if someone who's older than me says something and, and. Granted, there are times where it's like, "Eh, okay, but there's also times where it's like, maybe I can listen to this because I'm, you know, in my 40s now. And if some 20-something okays me, I'm like, what a dick. Like, I've seen more life than you. Yeah. It it feels Um, very flip. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen more life than you. And you are going to change because I'm not the same person I was when I was 20. And so I think we can listen. You don't have to agree, but listen. And maybe there's something there.
0: Yeah. Maybe there's not,
1: but just, uh, you know, I, I we're just, all people here.
0: You know, I, I, I recall the eighties very clearly and I recall how that generation behaved in the eighties. And again, I'm speaking in generalities here, but you know, just that wall street mentality, of mm-hmm. uh the pursuit of wealth in uh you know the very self-centered nature of of uh, that seemed to be you know the accepted core of that generation and and that's why when I made that association, I was like, oh, this this is why they loved that movie. You know, this is why <laughs> that generation loved it, because they got to skate. But it could on all also be that it
1: blew their brains out. You I know? think that like, was
0: also a piece of it. Yeah.
1: Right. It's like, I mean, if you so show Jurassic Park to someone today, they're going to be like, yeah, that was good. You know, I don't know that they're going to have like you and I. I remember. Being in the theater watching Jurassic Park. Oh my god, yes! Oh my and god,
0: yes! I, I can't wait for. I that I think
1: one. if you, although my son really likes Jurassic Park, I don't think it's because of the same reasons we did. Right? It was like, oh, dinosaurs walking the earth. Look at this. And I, I, I don't think the story in Jurassic Park is particularly strong in that they just leave, right? I mean, it's the way this probably realistically ends, but what does Jurassic Park so well is the special effects and the characters, right? You've got a handful of just great characters and Ian Malcolm and Hammond and Sadler and and Grant are just great characters. The two kids are great. I think the story is like, you're on an island with dinosaurs, go yeah <laughs> so yeah i like and i think that you could look at this movie ah oh, the story's not that great but it would have blown our minds in the 70s and we could look back and be like oh yeah great granted nobody in jurassic park is really that kind of at least in my mind that i look back on sort of like this doesn't hold up well as a character you know yeah yeah I think
0: you're right. I think like the visual splendor and the probably the overwhelmingness of that last scene with the aliens and the music and so on I think that's that's probably a large piece of it. And I think when I'm talking about you know like the this the theme of abandonment and freedom resonating with the boomers, I'm thinking of it on a purely unconscious level. like yeah. I don't think that any of them were like. Yeah, I do want to leave my family and run off with the <laughs> aliens. That sounds great. I think of it more in a very broad collective subconscious, you know, this is this is why we dig this sort of way. So So what's up next for us? It's uh Oh, I'm excited.
1: Listen, my favorite genre of movie is comedy, man, and you throw me some SNL actors in a film like classic, Dan Aykroyd. I mean okay. It's written by Robert Zemeckis and a couple other people, but Zemeckis, you know, and obviously directed by Spielberg, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi. Just
0: yeah, I've I've never seen it. I've never seen it.
1: I did like Christopher Lee is
0: in this. Oh my god! It has a terrible reputation. You know, like, I don't care. I don't <laughs> I just, care either. I'm, I'm really jazzed to see it too because I have the same thing. I'm like, wait, this is this kind of forgotten film with these actors that I absolutely love. It's a Spielberg movie, so there's bound to be some really cool imagery in it. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really jazzed for it also. It had
1: three Oscar nods. Really? Visuals probably? Best sound, yeah. visual effects, and cinematography. Uh, the, cinematography. The
0: only thing I know about this movie is something about the Ferris wheel rolling down the pier? Like, there's this image in my head of a Ferris wheel and maybe like Coney Island breaking free and rolling down the pier, and, and John Belushi wearing like a 1940s fighter jacket and goggles.
1: I think that's the visual. Of, that's all uh, I of have of him about wearing this that. It rings a bell, but that's it. I didn't know this existed, and I'm a fan of Dan Aykroyd i'm in all right i'm totally into yeah yeah, i'm optimistic going in uh so uh be sure to check out our notes in the description where you can find eric the gaming nexus show the gaming nexus website uh his youtube channel uh there's a game he did recently called mcpixel that is just the most bonkers game i've ever seen um so i can recommend starting there uh (laughs) If you want to hear more from me for some bizarre reason, you can check out the movie Draft House, where I review movies based on a theme with my buddy Mark. And then there's Budget Arcade, where we review video games, mostly free-to-play games. Uh, check out all those links. Any any final words?
0: Um, No. No. I, I, it's just, I'm surprised at myself for going so negative on
1: this one. because I, I did not expect it. I thought that we could... Uh, Granted, yes, I agree with all of your critiques. But yeah. I just was like not ready for you to because I came in pretty optimistic. I'm like, I'm surprised how good the movies have gotten. <laughs> it's no Jaws, but you know. Yeah,
0: sorry to rain on all the close encountered fans parade. So I think yeah, that's my, my final thought. I think yeah, I'm usually a positive person. We're gonna go back to positivity as quickly as possible. We'll see. We'll see how nineteen forty one goes. Yeah.
1: But after that, 1941 is what? Raiders? Raiders. So, it's all gravy after that, baby. You don't have to worry about us being too negative for too long. So thank you for listening. Feel free to unsubscribe if this is your favorite movie. My feelings won't be hurt. Uh, but we'll see you two weeks for 1941. Have a good day.
0: Have a good day. Yeah. Bye, y'all.